Hey guys, it's Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. Woo! Hey you guys, welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things and we're your hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Alright, we're going way, way, way back, back this week. More like circa, what was this, 1692. So if you guys didn't get by the date... We're talking Salem witch trials in this beat. <laughs> you can't see that, but Rebecca just like, like, like. I just ghetto like, boom, boom. She just I leaned can't. in and like. I got into that She shit. just squared up to say that. She was like, yo. And arched my back. Ar- yeah. Lean to know. the side. Yeah, all that shit. <laughs> but yeah, so we are talking about the Salem witch trials today. Lil actually came up with this idea, so pat on the back to you. Wahoo. Well, we've, uh, I was telling Mike last night how we were doing this, and he's like, oh, he goes, you always talk about the Salem witch trials. And like, I know you want to do this, so that's like so fun. So we did our research, and we we're going to talk to you guys about the origin of the Salem witch trials, pretty much everything that happened all the way to the very end. And then we're going to also talk to you about the goings on in Salem, Massachusetts to this very day. Wahoo. And if you want to hear a personal story from Rebecca about Salem, hit up our Encounters 1 episode. Throw it back. Yeah, I still have some memes about that I haven't posted. My bad. (laughs) Well, maybe you have an excuse to post them now. I I will. I'll post them. Okay, so the origin. So the uh, belief in the devil's presence of giving certain humans, or in other words, witches, the power to harm others in return for their loyalty had emerged in Europe as early as the 14th century. So a witchcraft craze rippled through Europe from the 1300s to the end of the 1600s. And within that, tens of thousands of supposed witches, who of course were mostly women, Mm -hmm. were executed. So the craze, wow. yeah, yeah, of course. Women just can't fucking win. It never can catch a fucking. You know, break. also Even like. 2019. Yeah, it's just like perpetual shit together. Shit, women get it together, or shit, women have the privilege of getting it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, so it began to reach New England at one point, and in addition, the harsh realities of life in the rural Puritan community of Salem of the Salem village at the time included after effects of a British war with France in the American colonies in 1689 and the displaced people from the war created a strain on Salem's resources and then it aggravated the existing rivalry between families with tie to the wealth of the port of Salem and then those who were depending on the agriculture oh social war yeah so then the controversy even like continued and then one brewed over Reverend Samuel Paris, who became Salem, the Salem Village's first ordained minister. And this was in 1689. And so he was disliked because of his rigid ways and his greedy nature. And there had been uh, also a recent smallpox epidemic. And so between that and then there was also fear of attacks neighboring native from neighbor na- from neighboring Native American <laughs> tribes. Say that. <laughs> yeah, say that ten Native times. Tri- tribes. Neighboring oh, wait, Native American tribes. Um, anyway, so this also helped fuel the witch trials, with the residents believing also that this was all the devil's work. So they're Just blame the devil. Yeah. So there's all there's all they're on they're on you know guard for a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're high. You know uh, tensions are high there. Well, I'm just going to give a little advice to um, the people of Salem in 1692 about in regards to the smallpox epidemic. Vaccinate your kids. 
and this wouldn't be an issue. Rebecca. I know you guys don't know about vaccinations in 1692, but hint, hint, it's going to help. It's going to come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) You know, there's always, I have to say this, because on Facebook, the very few times that I actually go on there and, like, check stuff out, you know, I know politically, you know, you'll see a lot of people bicker back and forth on Facebook, but nothing ever gets nastier than middle-aged women arguing over whether or not to vaccinate your children or not. I mean, that gets nasty on both sides. I found a Facebook group called Oils Won't Fix That Brenda. (laughs) So in January of 1692, nine-year-old Elizabeth, also known as Betty Paris, and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, who was the daughter and niece of Samuel Paris, who was the minister of the Salem Village, began having fits, including violent contortions and uncontrollable outbursts of screaming. Okay. So, you know, I heard this when, we, uh, I, when I was younger and we read books about the Salem Witch Trials, and I always thought it was just kids being brats or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I was doing some research on this, and looking back with the perspective provided by modern science, some scholars have speculated that the strange behavior may have resulted from some combination of, get this, asthma, encephalitis, Encephalit I don't know that word. Encephalitis. Lyme disease. I know that Encephalitis. word. Encephalitis. That would have, that makes sense. Epilepsy, child abuse, delusional psychosis, Woo! or convulsive ergotism, which is, the last one is a disease caused by eating bread or cereal made of rye that has been infected with fungus ergo, ergo which I can. I hearing about that. Yes, which that fungus can elicit vomiting, choking, fits, Hallucinations. hallucinations and the sense of something crawling on one's skin. And that hallucin- that hallucinogen LSD is a derivative of, er- uh, of ergo. So after a local doctor called William Griggs diagnosed bewitchment on these girls, <laughs> other young girls in the community began to exhibit similar symptoms, including Ann Putnam Jr., uh-huh. Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Walcott, and Mary Warren. And in late February, arrest warrants were issued for Paris's Caribbean slave, Tituba, um, which I used to say Tituba, but then some people say Tituba, so I don't know which one's like the right. Tituba. Tituba, Tituba, I don't know. I just see tuba in there, and that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Along with two other women, the homeless beggar Sarah Good and the poor elderly Sarah Osborne. And the three accused witches were then brought before the magistrates Jonathan Corwin and John John Hathorn and were questioned as their accusers appeared in the courtroom doing a grand display of spasms, contortions, screaming, and writhing. So though Good and Osborne denied their guilt, Tichaba Tituba confessed, <laughs> likely seeking. She was doing this likely to save herself from a certain conviction, okay. and so she decided to act as an informer. She claimed that there were other witches alongside her in the service of the devil against the Puritans, and then hysteria continued to spread through the community, and more were becoming accused, including Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse, uh, and both were regarded as upstanding members of the church and community. So that was really striking for the community and very scary because okay. it was like, wow, we trusted these people and they're witches. They're, <laughs> they're cursing our whole village. And then four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good was also accused of being a witch. A four-year-old. Yeah. Nuts. 
So, like Tichaba, several accused witches confessed and named still others, and the trial soon began to overwhelm the local justice system. So everyone was just trying to point fingers at one another yeah. just to try to get out of a harsher sentence. Okay. So the court handed down its first conviction, like I said, against Bridget Bishop on June 2nd. She was hanged eight days later, which would be known as Gallows Hill. And then five more were hung that July, five in August, and eight more in September. Holy shit. Yeah. And I mean, it was a whole, a whole community thing where people would come and watch and yeah. bring their children. I mean, it's really fucked up stuff. And in addition, seven other accused witches died in jail, while the elderly Giles Corey, who was Martha's husband, was pressed to death by stones after he refused to plea at his arraignment. Do we and you're going to hear about Giles Corey a little later with some of our paranormal stories. Minister Cotton Mather, Cotton, C-O-T-T-O-N, Mather, had warned the people that maybe it wasn't such a good idea to accuse others off of such little evidence. And Cotton's father was the president of Harvard, and he later, later joined his son in urging that the standards of evidence for witchcraft must be equal to those for any other crime, concluding that it would be better that ten suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned. Which, I, I like that. I, I, I agree. I agree. I think that... Um, Especially considering the fact, when you think of it also, a lot of these accusations were against women. Oh, for sure. So, whereas a lot of other, you know, I don't want to say, but a lot of other things were probably, so what I'm wondering is, were these also taken more seriously because they were women? Probably Because they were like, a woman not cleaning the kitchen, which! <laughs> Literally, I, I agree. I agree. I definitely think that the way... Um, women were seen at that time definitely was a big influence on yeah, so, how they treated that. Yeah. So not only it being the new trend of trying to accuse people, but also the, those who were being accused were women. So maybe yeah. being like, hey, uh, hold off a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but trials did continue with dwindling intensity until early 1693 when May Phipps had pardoned and released all of those in prison on witchcraft charges. In January of 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem witch trials. Okay. Yeah, that fixes it. Yeah, just starve yourself. Yeah. Like you mean all those people in the prison starve yeah. while they're awaiting their death sentence. Yeah, that'll unchain the fucking piles of cement and trauma fucking all over. stuck to women's ankles in the river. So they declare this day of fasting to kind of honor the tragedy of the victims of the Salem witch trials. And the court later deemed the trials unlawful and the leading justice Samuel Sewell, Sewell? Sewell publicly apologized for his role in the process. Forgiven, finished, totally took back everything that was done. Yeah, way to go. You know what? Yeah, thank you very much, Samuel Sewell. That brought back just, what, 100 people, couple hundred? Yeah, 150 people that were accused. <laughs> Not to mention those who were just gossiped about. I mean, even though they yeah. weren't officially accused, there was totally like, you know Mary across the way? Totally a witch. The families She writes with her left hand. Unreal. You know? <laughs> families. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just laughable, all of this, because it's so, so unreal. 
So he apologized for his role in the process. And like we said before, the damage to the community lingered, of course, even after the Massachusetts colony passed a legislation restoring the good names of the condemned and providing financial restitution for their heirs in 1711. So they essentially did what they could, but I don't think they came out with, I think it was more of an, oh, our bad than an our deepest apologies for what we have done. Yeah, yeah. But again, I wasn't alive. But just... We could have been. We could have been. In a past life. But I don't we, remember. All right, time travel episode where we travel through time and then we come back and tell you how all of our podcasts are wrong because we changed it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I think it would be. So <laughs> the abuses of the Salem witch trials contributed to changes in the U.S. court procedures, playing a role in the advent of the guarantee of the right to legal representation, the right to cross-examine one accuser, and the presumption of innocence rather than of guilt. So you often hear innocent until proven guilty, mm-hmm. right? So something that um, is also a f- something that they do is uh, something beyond reasonable doubt, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say Rebecca and I are worst enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know, she's a, she's a witch. I go to court and I say, listen, guys, you know, Rebecca Ruber, total witch. She can do this, can do that, right? I need to prove to the jury beyond reasonable doubt that you are a witch and just because we have beef between each other uh-huh. isn't a reason for them to believe, oh, well, because Lily said so because of this. That's, yeah. yeah, that is kind of a, a persuading factor or a bit of a bias. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there has to be more than just Lily said this. Hearsay. Yeah. yeah. So to this day, many people, including myself, visit Salem, Massachusetts to learn more about America's dark and definitely haunted history. Mm-hmm. And more than one million people visit annually, according to the Salem, Massachusetts website. Mm-hmm. And it generates more than $100 million in tourism spending. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dough. And Salem is super popular, specifically in the month of October, where there is a month-long celebration of Halloween. <laughs> Makes me so excited. I want to go. I know. Do you want to try to go? I think that'd be fun. All right. With sounds good. With more than 500,000 people traveling from around the world to visit Salem during this specific time. So, of course, with a historical town like Salem, especially with its dark past, we should expect some unsettled spirits to still reside there. So I not only expect it, I am hoping. I am. If yeah. I if all that shit went down and I went there and nothing happened, I'd be like, I'd, I'd want my money back. I want these ghosts catching these hands. Meet me outside. How about that? So a lot of these places that we're going to talk about, I've actually visited okay. during the few times that I've been in Salem. Nice. So it's, it was pretty cool looking at them and seeing that um, a lot of people have had similar experience to what I've had while I was in Salem. Mm -hmm. So the first one that I want to talk about was the Hawthorne Hotel. And the Hawthorne Hotel, uh, ghost hunters have been here. Mm -hmm. This hotel is nearly impossible to book. You have to book like five years in advance. Really? To book, yeah. It's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, it's super popular. And it was built in 1925 and named after their very own Salem author, Nathaniel Hawthorne. And it's a very stunning old hotel. It's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, it's interior boats of the old stylish times. So depending on how you look at it, the hotel was built on the land that Bridget Bishop, the first accused and killed witch of Salem, owned. So... You know, it's a pretty interesting fact. Um, Bridget Bishop seems to be like brought up a lot when it comes to the Salem witch mm-hmm. trials. 
And it seems that Bridget has taken up residency to this hotel. <laughs> um, so you can look at that as good or bad, whether or not she's like come back to her homeland or, you know, maybe because she hasn't passed on. That's why she haunts there. Could kind of take it as you well, want. Well, it better be a nice ass hotel if you're stuck there for eternity. That's true. At like, least you don't she's see living me it hanging up. out. Like my ghost would not be at that Super Eight off of Route Three Mm-mm. in Weehawken. No way. I'm worth more than that, honey. I'm the Plaza Hotel in Manhattan. Ooh, yes. <laughs> or the Ritz Carlton. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And there were many reports of sweet smell of apples that drifts through the hotel that comes out of nowhere. Bridget grew apples when she was alive, so there is oh. that like connection. Yeah. Um, then there's other weird smells that are also smelt by guests and staff and unexplained noises that are often heard and weird mists that appear from nowhere. All right. So these rooms that I'm going to talk about were talked about on Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've had some experience with, I think, like, um, the sheets moving or imprints. Mm-hmm. But specifically in room 325, many people report being touched by no one along with hearing the cries of a baby. And if that wasn't enough to make you want to change rooms, then maybe witnessing the taps turning on by themselves as well. Nope. Not today, Satan. All aboard the train to Nopesville. (laughs) Get me a ticket. And room 612 is just as creepy. So um, apparently there's a ghost uh, ghost lady that's seen in the suite looking at you. Uh I don't know if she wears a white dress. But she also likes to hover around the outside by the door as well and wander the corridor. So, Do you think that was the... Do you think that's Bridget? That's what I'm thinking. It could be. It definitely could be. Hmm. A ghost in... Can you imagine? A woman in a white dress keeps offering me apples. She seems pretty nice. I'd be like, holy shit, Timmy, run. Because that's a ghost. Drop that apple. Drop that apple. Okay. So now we move on to Gallows Gallows Hill. I am so tongue-tied today. So it is now the local playing fields of Salem where schools come for their sporting activities and it's the local part for the young park for the youngsters of Salem, but it was once the place where 19 of the accused witches came to their death through hanging. Mm-hmm. So all 19 of these witches were of course later found innocent of any witchcraft. So maybe that's why the land is such a paranormal hot spot. You know there's <laughs> Yeah. I'd be kind of pissed hanging around too. Yeah. Uh, but People many. Are like kicking soccer balls over where I yeah, died. Yeah. I'd be stuff. like, bitch, I died here for nothing. Like, no, no you're not playing lacrosse where I died. <laughs> Chad. Chad! <laughs> Such a Chad move. Such Chad, Chad and his friend Trevor, get over here. <laughs> the ghost lady's going to give you an apple if you don't get the goal. Come on, Kyle. Kyle! Okay. <laughs> but creepy mists do a from nowhere and apparently will just vanish like a puff of smoke as well as weird unexplained noises that can be heard when no one else is there and some people claim that they have even seen a ghostly figure wandering aimlessly over the fields Interesting. so I'm wondering if the I'm wondering if the wandering is killing time or if it's trying to look for someone to say hey listen clear my name yeah or if they're like, what the fuck are all of these women doing here wearing pants? I mean, <laughs> there, there could be a lot there. And why is that one not wearing pants? Exactly. You know. You know um, yeah. So, and it's interesting, too, because when I was reading this, it said many people have caught light orbs on their camera and video recordings. And I don't, I don't know if I visited Gallows Hill. Mm-hmm. But I know that my mom has pictures from one of the 
famous Salem witch trial spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got a lot of orbs in her Ooh. pictures. And it, you can see that you can distinct between dust or a fly or whatever. Yeah. This was definitely a ball of energy. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Cool, so cool, cool. My mom, I was telling her we were doing this, and she's like, oh, I'll try to pull up some pictures that yeah, we can yeah, at least yeah. post. Yeah, do but, that. But um, I think for this episode, we should definitely, for all of these spots we're talking about, at least find one um like one picture that shows yeah. what people are talking can, about. Yeah, like we did I with the we dolls. Do we can throw yeah. together a slideshow. I think you guys would like that. So Salem Jail. This old jail house building was built back in 1813 and was built right next door to the Howard Street Cemetery, which is the very place where Giles Corey was stoned to death. Oh, shit. And the Salem Jail housed the famous Houdini, who escaped, and the notorious Boston Strangler. And the conditions in the jail were disgusting. And it was so disgusting that the inmates managed to sue the county for poor living conditions. (laughs) And a few years later, the jail was ordered to close, where it remained abandoned for many years. But now, this old haunted building has been transformed into luxury apartments for the residents of Salem. Okay. This is making me think of that meme you posted the other day where, like, if I'm renting an apartment in Salem and the rent is high, I'm charging the ghost. Oh, damn straight. Because you know damn well you are not in that apartment alone. Mm -mm. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. You know, if the ghosts are leaving lights on, don't think I'm paying for the electricity bill because that shit is expensive. They're probably just excited knowing, like, whoa, what the hell? There's a candle in the ceiling that doesn't burn me when I touch it. (laughs) And this switch, like... They don't know shit about electricity. And now they got TV there. We didn't have TV in jail. Why are these little people talking to me? (laughs) Right? These little people in this little box. What the fuck are they doing? Being a ghost now would be so cool. Anyway, even a restaurant was built here off the jail wing. And Mm. the old jail bars remain in their original place as a decorative piece of history. History that is in this place that is morbid and gloom. So many of the inmates did die behind the bars of Salem Jail because of the conditions and having life sentences and stuff. And many believe that the lost souls never moved on. Of course not. And it's reported that you can hear the screams of the inmates oozing through the walls as you walk through the building. And the orbs of the ghosts are seen to shimmy through the corridors and sounds of chattering chains are heard by many. But the uneasy feeling that you get as you enter is really creepy. Mm-hmm. And some uh, don't live there very long. <laughs> Let's just say that. I think that building the luxury apartments on a place that had so much dark history, I think definitely interrupted spirits that definitely aren't the friendliest. They most likely were not in jail for, yeah, you know, little crimes most likely. Unless they were there wrongfully. But I feel like most of those people in jail probably weren't the nicest of people, so they're not going to be the nicest <laughs> after the afterlife, right? Uh, well, I most definitely, def- I mean, getting rid of it, you know, and refurbishing it and making it something better is obviously a good call. But yeah. uh, perhaps a museum. It could be, yeah. You know, I, I, def- I would not make it another jail. Definitely not. Wouldn't make it a restaurant. Wouldn't make it an apartment complex. You know, maybe a little landmark jail or, yeah. you know. Some shit. I don't know. A field for historical reenactments. Why not? Yeah. Uh, People eat that shit up when they go to Salem. They specifically go there to learn the history. And I'm surprised it actually wasn't marked as a historical landmark. Yeah. You know what, Rebecca? Pack up the laptop. Pack up the mic. We're going there now. We're going to change everything. Bye. (laughs) Everyone's going to see the preview. Be like, why is this episode so short? (laughs) 
Okay, so do you want to go into the Joshua Ward house now? That's all you. Let's do it. So the Joshua Ward house is probably one of the most haunted places in Salem and no doubt one of the creepiest. So it sits on the right, right on the exact spot where the murderous and most featured sheriff of the witch trials once lived. Ooh. Yeah, so Sheriff George Corwin, by his own hand, tortured and killed many of the accused and had a sadistic way of getting them to plead guilty to witchcraft. Dick. <laughs> he would tie the ankles of the accused and continue all the way up to the neck so tightly graphic oh. warning up here he would uh all the neck so tightly that blood would gush from the victim's noses oh my god so after his death of a heart attack no less his family feared for his body and they buried him deep in the family basement so the angry public of salem couldn't get their hands on him which is understandable mm-hmm. you know but how about this one if you don't want a f- member of your family to, you know, be tormented after he dies. Maybe don't make him torment people when he's alive. Just spitball in here. <laughs> but eventually, after many years, his body was dug up and they moved it to a nearby cemetery, the Broad Street Cemetery. And then a new building, the Joshua Ward House, was erected. So years on, Sheriff George, who was also known just as the Strangler, is still up to his sadistic ways, but he also has two fellow ghosts to compete with. So the amount of people claiming that they have been strangled by invisible hands is huge. Oh, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that feeling? Because I feel like it's a, uh, you see that a lot, that people feel. I knock on wood, this is glass, but I haven't. Yeah. So, so besides the strangulation, which has been going on for many, many years, people do think it's the work of the sheriff. But... There is another ghost who is often reported here, but he keeps his hand to himself, but he likes to kick over, like, the rubbish and rubbish and garbage and all that stuff and just generally make a mess of the house, and he'll throw books and other objects around. And temperature drops also are a frequent reminder that you are not alone, along with puddles of wax from unlit candles and the sense that someone is watching you at all times. Ooh. Yeah, and so... Uh, Right now, on our screen, we have a picture of something spooky. Oh, so freaky looking. Yeah, and it's a black <laughs> so mass. It looks... looks like a girl, but it, it looks like a, a crazy afro. Yeah, we'll definitely upload this to the Instagram as well. Uh, to the Instagram. To the Instagram. <laughs> the Instagram page as well. Um, but it's... It, you know, it looks like a, in one of those illustrations from those uh, sp- scary stories to tell in the dark mm, books. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember those, hit us up. Uh, wow, spooky. It, it looks like... Uh, if I saw that in real life, I'd shit my pants. Oh, yeah. All over. Yeah. My pants would be just filled with shit. Which is just... Pockets full. Po- pockets full of shit. shit. She, so this girl, who we'll post the picture of, is seen in the hallway of the property, and she just has a mass of dark hair. Which is very relatable for me because my hair is just wild all the fucking time. That's why my hair is this always is up. actually Lily this, getting out yeah. of bed in the morning. That is me waking up before I leave to go to Rebecca's. <laughs> um, so, so she's seen in the hallway of the property, and she's believed to be one of the falsely accused witches of the witch trials who was killed by Sheriff George, otherwise just known as the Strangler. So that's a spirit you will also see there or may have seen if you have been there. Awesome. I definitely want to look into that one because that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. We can also just recreate that picture one morning when I wake up. (laughs) All right. It'd actually be amazing. So tell us about the House of Seven Gables, Yes. 
So, some will know The House with the Seven Gables as a book written by Nathaniel Hawthorne, who's actually the cousin um, of Susan Ingersoll. And Susan lived in the house since she was a girl and then died at the age of 72 there. Nathaniel was the son to John Hathorn, who was one of the three judges in Salem um, during the Salem Witch Trials. And Nathaniel was so ashamed of his father that he ended up just taking the... Um, adding the W to her surname so that it was a difference between <laughs> Hathorn and Hawthorne. That's amazing. Right? Um, and as a boy and throughout his life, he often visited Susan at the house and decided to write a book of his experiences there. Mm -hmm. And people come from all over to visit the historic museum for its history, and many come for its ghosts, too. So no photographs are allowed to be taken inside the wooden building, so no one has, been ever, has never been able to capture a picture of one of the ghosts here, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't been seen. And in fact, you don't even need to step foot in the house to see a ghost. So wow. many people say that as they walk past the property, they often see a glimpse of ghost ladies looking out of one of the windows. And inside the house, employees and visitors all claim to have seen a ghost of Susan walking up and down the corridors in a ghostly haze. And that of a small boy spirit is seen in the attic playing with his toys. <laughs> little boy just wants to play with his toys. And strange noises of banging and dragging are heard from the attic area, as well as the taps turning on by themselves. Other reports are of a general feeling of uneasiness as you tour the house. Now, um, like I previously said in another episode, when I went with my mom, we went with a couple of her girlfriends, and I believe Miss Sue, which was one of my mom's friends, took a picture at the House of the Seven Gables and got a huge orb, sort of like mm -hmm. white mist looking, kind of looked feminine, Okay. right outside the house. All right, so last we have the Old Burying Point Cemetery. <laughs> so none of the murder victims from the witch trials are actually buried here, but the head judge from the trial hanging is. So John Hathorn, <laughs> along with the rest of his family, are here, but that doesn't mean that the spirits of the witches don't go there. Yeah, uh, the, that's Yeah, the cemetery itself is apparently actually very pretty and very well kept and, a and has a lot of lovely old gravestones. But again, it oozes that creepy sensation when you walk in there. Like I feel like every it. cemetery has a creepy yeah, sensation it, yeah, when you walk into it. It kind of goes along with the whole thing. It's yeah. like saying, you know... A pizzeria smells good when you walk by. Like, uh, yeah, that's that comes comes yeah, with the comes territory with, for sure. You know, oh wow, I feel uncomfortable in awkward situations. Yeah, that comes with <laughs> it. So of course you feel uneasy in a cemetery. However, this both this, having the spirit of you know that head judge there, and also, I feel like it would be weird not to expect the witches to be there. I mean, he must have, and especially for what he did. Mm -hmm. And knowing, I think, before he passed away, what he did was wrong. I think he had a lot of unfinished business on this earth. So Absolutely. I definitely think that he probably still resides on this earth. Yeah. Uh, but there have been reports of eerie shadows that have been seen there one minute, gone the next, and unexplained whispers in the silent air. And a lot of people have caught uh, light orbs. And I think there was even, uh, if we can find it, there was a ghostly apparition itself that appeared on camera while people were investigating and hanging out around the cemetery. Cool. 
cool. Yeah, so stuff there too, of course. And just so you guys know, if you ever want to visit Salem, they actually have specific ghost tours that you can go That's on. So cool. That I've been on, and they're so fun. You go at, like, 9.30 at night, 10 when it's, like, pitch black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you either go, like, on, like, a little, like, cart kind of, like, car thing, or walking. I think we we did the walking tour. I did one of those in uh, Rhode Island, in so Providence. Fun. So fun. And you learn about the history, and you're just with other people that love and are interested in the paranormal, just like yeah. you are. So you meet some pretty cool people. Was your uh, tour guide dressed up? Because mine was. I honestly don't remember. We so I, I think we were just all in black. Yeah, I met. So when I went, um, I was helping my brother move out of his apartment in Rhode Island to Massachusetts, I think. And for the night, we stopped and we did like a haunted Providence ghost tour, and That's it was so walking cool. and everything. But like our tour guide like had like a lantern and it was like dressed in oh, old timey so clothes. Cute. It was really cute. It was really really fun. It was really fun. That seems fun. Yeah, that's really cool. But um. Now, uh, we just have a couple stories for you guys. Um, we're going to read you some paranormal accounts from uh, not only visitors that have visited Salem, Massachusetts, but also residents. But these are just accounts that specifically occurred in Salem, Massachusetts. So I thought we'd just add that in there. Let's Why not? It. Everyone loves a good uh, story. Yeah. So this reads, several years ago, I went to Salem, Massachusetts. I had a strange experience there that I can't explain. I was 26 at the time and traveling with another adult. We had been walking around town that morning and saw an advertisement for a play that would be taking place that afternoon. It's a play about Bridget Bishop. She was accused of witchcraft and executed in 1692. The play starts off outside the street where actress, where actress Bridget gets arrested. Mm -hmm. The actors lead the attendees down the old, hall, old town hall for her trial. I had been feeling great that day, no physical issues, until a few minutes after we entered the old town hall. We were escorted up to the second floor. We sat down waiting for the play to start. Suddenly, I felt horrible. I started sweating profusely. It was mid-October, jacket weather. My vision was blurry, and I couldn't focus on anything. My head felt like it was about to explode. However, the worst thing was the excruciating pressure and pain in my neck. Mm -hmm. hmm. I felt like I was being strangled. I have never been, I have never experienced anything like this before or since. I felt like my life was just being drained from me. I remember thinking, oh man, either I'm having a stroke or an aneurysm or something. <laughs> I didn't mention anything to the person I was with at this time as I figured the symptoms would resolve quickly. You see where I'm getting at here? Yes. Yeah. So for some reason, in my hazy and confused state, I thought the most logical thing to do was to check my watch to see what time it was, in case it was something medically serious. It was 3 p.m. For a moment, I thought maybe I should step outside for some air, but I decided to stay for the play and see how I felt. The play had started at this point, and I still wasn't feeling mm. right. All the symptoms I was experiencing continued throughout the duration of the play. I just kept feeling such pressure and pain in my neck and wishing this horrible feeling would cease. After the play had ended, I rushed out of the building as fast as I could. I didn't wait for the person I was with. The minute I exited the building, I felt completely fine. The pressure in my neck, the dizziness, the strangling feeling, all gone the minute I stepped outside. Uh. I felt fine the rest of the day and for the duration of the trip. The following day, we went on a walking tour. As we were approaching the current Salem Town Hall, the guide informs us that the area we were currently standing in was the site of the jail during the 1692 trials. He said that the sheriff at the time was a particularly nasty individual and would beat and torture the prisoners daily. Mm-hmm. 
And <laughs> well, you know, yeah. as, as they do. Of course. At the same time every day, get this, at 3 p.m. Same time Holy my symptoms shit. started the previous day. The hair on my arm stood up. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I don't know what any of this all means. It was a strange experience. I hadn't experienced anything like this prior, nor have I experienced anything like this since. Thank you for taking time to read this. I'd love to hear any thoughts and or opinions regarding this experience. So, wow. yeah. That's, ugh. You know, you know what, I, when I, what I think about when I hear stories like that about shit going down to someone who doesn't even know mm-hmm. is that it always is a little more refreshing than someone who knows that that had happened there. For sure. You know, when they hear, oh, at 3 p.m. shit would go down and then they go and they say, oh, my God, around 3 p.m. I felt this. It's true. Like, there's, yeah. you know, that's a subconscious thing. But. He had no idea. Yeah, having no clue and then putting that together is fucking scary. Also, that could also be kind of an easy target, you know, because these inmates or whoever was getting beaten, they weren't expecting it. Yeah. And then an unexpected person, they're like, hey, how's it feel now, bitch? And it's that's someone true. else's problem. That's true. So I, yeah, that's definitely a, whew, I just got, I got, did, I, I just got a like story. a chill down my spine. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So now it's my turn. This one says, let me start off by saying, after using Ouija boards over the years, it's not a good idea to use one. Thank you. A pattern we have seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you do, take extreme caution because they can be very dangerous. So this is my story. Nothing dangerous, but very creepy. I was living in Salem, Massachusetts a few years ago, and although I do, and although I believe in ghosts 100%, I was still a skeptic on Ouija boards and Wicca. Interested, but skeptical. I've lived in Massachusetts my whole life, re- relatively close to Salem, so I figured it was all tourist trap stuff and it doesn't work at all, blah, blah, blah. So, it was a Friday and I got my paycheck and I was going to the store to get some beer. I passed by a hex shop every day, but on this day, I decided to go in. I poked around for a couple of minutes and decided to get some rocks that were supposed to be lucky. I'm I'm a poker player and a slight gambler, so I thought I'd try it out. You know what? So far, nothing too bad right here. Not not too bad. Life's going well. Yeah. So, anyway, I got my beer and I thought I'd get a scratch ticket too. Bam. $500. Okay. I cash, I cash it. Got another scratch ticket. Hit another $500. Then one more ticket that hits for $100. My mind was blown. I didn't even think about the rocks till I got home and found them. I told my girlfriend about it, and she couldn't believe it either. I wouldn't be able to believe it either. Yeah. I, I'd see the ticket, and, you know, they sell, like, fake lottery yeah, tickets. Yeah, I would have thought someone just, like, I would have been it. like, yeah, 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 tell, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> Anyways, a week goes by, and I've barely touched the money, so I thought I'd go spend some. I figured Salem is a very old town, and a lot of historical shit happened there, so I might as well try a Ouija board, because in my mind, the rocks worked, so why wouldn't this? Oh, here we go. This is good logic, but bad good logic. I go back into the hex shop, and I look around again and come across a handmade, hand-painted, beautiful Ouija board blessed by the witch who had made it. It cost almost $200, but hey, go big or go home. No, go home. <laughs> go the fuck home. So I went home with the Ouija board. Uh. But um, my apartment was small, a tiny studio apartment that cost an arm and a leg. We were on the second floor right in the center of Salem. 
So really quick, what I would just like to add is if I had, I can imagine like Salem, I mean, this area of the country is so densely populated mm -hmm. and that being prime real estate, $200, like $200 for a Ouija board, that's probably like your utilities for a month. Yeah, he... Like he His made, girlfriend needs to sit him down oh, and be like, yeah. honey, we need to talk finances because you don't know how to spend your money. $1,100 off of scratch-offs my in my town is rent for one month for a teeny tiny one bedroom. Oh, for sure. That's like, and that's being on like the bad part of town. Yeah, exactly. So, but sure, spend $200 on the Ouija board. Go for so it. So it says the apartment was small, tiny studio that cost an arm and a leg. You're on the second floor right in the center of Salem. Center of Salem. Almost every night there was a fight going on upstairs, a guy and his girlfriend screaming and throwing shit around to the point where I almost called the police multiple times. I never once went up to talk to them. In fact, the year I lived there, I never went up to the third floor. Other than that, the neighbors weren't bad. So anyways, I had, off, I had the day off one day and my girl was at work, so I thought I'd try the board. It wasn't too long into the session when I started walking into a man, when I started talking, <laughs> when I started talking to a man named Roy. I was amazed that this was working. I asked him simple questions at first. Do you know where we are? Salem, he replied. Do you know my name? Mike, he answered right away again. I'm thrilled and creeped out at the same time. How many spirits are in this building? Four, he said. Who is always fighting upstairs? No answer. Who lives in the room above us? Nobody. I broke out in a cold sweat, feeling uneasy for the first time in this whole conversation with Roy. I asked, who do I hear fighting all the time up there? After half a minute, I get a reply. Get out. Mm -hmm. I instantly jumped the, jumped the planchette to goodbye and I put the thing away. I went out for some air and then my girlfriend came home from work. I told her about what happened and she didn't believe me. I told her the same story I'm telling you now. After dinner, we were watching TV and of course, here is the screaming and smashing sounds from upstairs again. I look at her and I say, you know what, right? You're right there. What? And I say, you know what? You're right. There has got to be people up there. So we go upstairs. When you go through the doorway up the stairs, the apartment is directly to the right. The door is cracked open. Empty space. An empty room. Wow. I'm baffled. My mind is going in circles. I look back inside, then at my girlfriend, then I look down. The doormat says, get out. <laughs> mic drop. I was just about to say. Uh, I just about to say mic drop. Yeah. That was freaky as hell. Yeah. See, guys, you got to visit Salem, Massachusetts for the good ghost stories. Holy shit. We'll, we'll come back with a bunch, I bet, yeah. if we go. That's nuts. Nuts and bolts. Holy shit. I can't even, I don't even know what to say to that because that's a fucking crazy story. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if anything, but he did move the planchette to goodbye. So it seemed like he closed it out the right way. Yeah. But you know, hopefully nothing's continuing to linger on for him, because that's crazy. <sighs> Shit. Fucked up. That's unreal. Yeah. Especially considering that he hadn't gone upstairs. Right? And, like, had no idea that there was no one living up there yeah. at all. All right, guys. Well, on that note, um, that concludes our episode of the Salem Witch Trials in Salem, Massachusetts. 
Um, I want to take this time to thank all of our Patreon donors, all of our Instagram followers, Twitter, Facebook followers. You guys are awesome. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. You can follow our Facebook page, Just Ghouly Things Podcast, our Twitter, JGT Podcast. Um, and then you can also donate to our Patreon. You can search Just Ghouly Things Podcast, or you can go onto our Instagram, click our link tree um, that's in our bio, and you can just click on any of those to follow our social media or to listen to our podcasts on other streaming sites like Spotify, Apple, Google Play. All, all that, that good stuff. stuff. Ah! ah, We Jinx. hang out way too much. Yep. And um, if you guys have any paranormal stories that you or someone you know would like to share with us and we will talk about on the show, you can email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. So thank you guys so, so much for your support. You guys have been amazing. We love you all, boo thanks. Yes. All right. And we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.